Thank you, Dan and choir, Parker and Catherine. Thank you for leading us so well in worship this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm certainly grateful to be here this morning and be able to speak to you. Hope you had a great Christmas, a good time over the holidays. Maybe you had some time to spend some time with family. I hope you did. Hope you had some days off of work. Obviously, we've shut the chapter of our lives that was 2018. We're writing the first few pages of a new year, 2019. I don't know how a new year hits you. I like a new year. I like that transition. I think it's healthy for us, good for us to have a clean slate from time to time, a a fresh shake in the etch-a-sketch of life, if you will. I like having a new year. Generally speaking, we like new. It brings new potential, new excitement, uh, maybe a bit of mystery around the corner. We can get stuck in the same old, same old, so a bit of new can be nice. See, this is no new revelation for marketing departments. They've managed to cash in on our knack for new for decades. They lure us to the latest and greatest with promises of improvements to products. More of what you love, we've amended, upgraded, enhanced, enriched, made it bigger, better, now with you fill in the blank. I recently saw a label on an unflavored box of oatmeal that said new. What exciting innovations have we made in the world of oats lately? Now with more disappointment, right? Now with more sadness. Now, still not a donut, right? I don't think we've made any bold innovations to that breakfast in quite some time. In fact, the last time I think we took steps in that space was when someone said, hey, maybe, maybe it's not just for horses. Maybe humans can have it too. See, this is a time of year when things that are new are pushed in front of us. Countless commercials for new stuff, especially new cars, loads of luxury lined up on our LED screens. They always seem to have that big, beautiful red bow on top of them. I could write these commercials myself. They're all the same. A a beautiful wife bounds down the stairs, perfectly put together Christmas morning, opens a small, well-appointed package only to discover keys to something. What could these keys be for? She's intrigued. (laughs) The handsome husband holding hot coffee glances outside to direct her gaze. The camera pans through frosty window panes at a parked bowed beauty in the drive. Shock, disbelief, embrace and excitement ensue. That'd be fun to surprise someone that way. I, I hope you've had the opportunity to do that. But that's a big ask at Christmas time for people who are in the same season of life as me with uh, a third row and a whole mess of kids. Uh, Buying that luxury sports car at Christmas wouldn't be a good idea. In fact, my commercial would look more like this. The beautiful, perfectly put together wife would still appear on Christmas day, but the husband would have a toddler hanging from his bedhead, dodging bullets from a Nerf gun he would retrieve. Worn keys from a repurposed keychain from his patterned pajama pants. He'd point outside to a wood paneled station wagon. <laughs> shh, shh, just take it. Just, now you're going to have to jiggle the handle a bit. 
give it some gas. We're gonna get that oil spot cleaned up. But there's really something to that new car smell, isn't it? But part of what makes a new car great is not what it can do, not what it has, but what it does not have and what it has not done. For instance, a new car has never left you on the side of a road on a cold and windy West Texas day. A new car hasn't taken the panhandle pounding of a summer hailstorm or a winter hailstorm. New is nothing like the dimple darlings we drive. A new car hasn't had the dreaded dead battery that makes you late for a meeting. Never once have you dropped your phone in a new car and reached down only to retrieve a petrified French fry from yesteryear. Oddly, the exact same color and shape as it was a decade before. <laughs> there are no excess of road trip transgressions hiding under the car seat in the back. You always find more than you expected under those seats. Oh, look a quarter, the key we're missing. An entire hamburger, how did that even fit underneath there? It's like Stonehenge, it's one of those heaven questions we don't know. A new car. What about a new house? There's no drywall holes in the house, no pinhole plumbing leaks, sippy cup spills, no drafty doors or rodent residents, no outdated decor, colors, countertops, cabinets, all current. It has the fully functioning appliances, the ones you've always dreamed of, maybe the most important, or at least in my mind, not an inch of wallpaper. Oh, the dark ways and dark woes of wallpaper. Can I plead with you that you prayerfully consider what you're doing to the family after you? As somebody who's currently renovating a house, can I just say for future families, marriages, think twice, ask yourself, is this God's best for my life? <laughs> but a new house, how wonderful. The big issues, the troubles we have with old cars and old houses, well, simply just isn't true of new. How nice. But as exciting and full of promise as new is, not everything new is so attractive. New often means change. The new boss directs us to do things a different way than the way that we've always done it when the old ways seem to work just fine. What about new road construction? Let's just not go there. <laughs> too fresh, too soon. New taxes gonna cost you. New house, pricey. I mean, have you added up all those new Christmas gifts, what it's gonna cost you this year? New can cost. Well, I don't know how the prospect of a new year hits you this morning with excitement or with reservation, but ready or not, a new year is here. There's an interesting instance in scripture where Jesus talks about new. He tells his disciples, I have a new commandment for you. I have something new that I would like to give you. Let me set the stage or really set the table for what's happening. It's the final meal that Jesus would share with his disciples before his betrayal, before his arrest. Jesus takes a towel and some water and he goes to each of the disciples and he washes their feet. The disciples are stunned. Peter even pushes back, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. 
During supper, it's revealed that indeed one of the disciples will betray Jesus. Jesus tells Judas, the thing that you will do, go and do quickly. In John's writing, he would often contrast sin's darkness with the light that God gives. And so it's no mistake when he notes that it was night when Judas left Jesus. The disciples are puzzled by what's playing out. Jesus explains that the Son of Man must be glorified, that he'll be with them for just a short while longer. Here's this occasion where Jesus is sitting at the table with his disciples. The end of his earthly life is drawing closer. He's giving important instruction before his earthly ministry ends. I just wonder, as a disciple this morning, would you pull up your chair for a moment and listen to the Lord? Oh, I believe that Jesus' words this morning have a huge impact on your 2019. And as always, the words of Jesus have the power to be transformational in your life. Would you look at that passage with me one more time? John chapter 13, I'll read verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. There's a few phrases that I want us to focus in on this morning. Here's the first one. Love is a clear command. Love is a clear command. In fact, would you say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Love is a clear command. Great. So this wasn't really a new command, but it's rather built in the DNA of Scripture, weaved throughout the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Love has been paramount to God's people from the beginning. John would later echo in our Bibles this idea. Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard. Even further, in 1 John, this is his commandment that we believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ and love one another just as he commanded us. And the word love here doesn't mean new chronologically. It's talking about a, a new, a fresh, a vibrant experience, so, the opposite of something that is well-worn. It's an intense love directed at disciples. You know, it's not uncommon for parents when they know that they're going to be leaving this earth soon in their dying moments to give instructions, orders, tell their children important final farewells, Christ Two, taking leave of his disciples gives them his. Never forget a story my friend told me in college. As we got closer, he shared with me a story of doing some lawn work with his father when he was a teenager. His job was to run the mower. His dad was working in another part of the lawn. He was mowing a lawn and unbeknownst to him, he runs over a piece of metal. And in a freak accident, the metal shoots across the yard, going through his father's spine and out his neck. Instantly, his father collapses on the ground. 
My friend rushes over to him and begins to talk to him. His father can't feel anything below his neck. He begins to tell him, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You need to take care of your brothers. You need to take care of your sister. You're the oldest one now. You're going to have to take care of mom. He begins to give him these final instructions, not knowing if he's dying or if this is the end. By the grace of God, over time and rehabilitation, he was able to regain much of his capabilities and is only limited in some small areas. But I'll never forget that conversation and experiencing that time through my friend's eyes of the seriousness of the tone when someone thinks they're about to lose this life. The tone here is serious when Jesus is speaking to the disciples, not talking about insignificant things, not talking about the weather. This is a serious time. Jesus was about to finish his earthly ministry, and he says, love your brothers, love one another. And it seems almost cliche to bring that up, to talk about it. We, we know that that's what we're to do, but even believers can be difficult to love. Sometimes we're cut from a different cloth and we don't think the same way. Sometimes we drain each other's batteries. It can be difficult to love. Our pastor recently preached on Sunday nights out of 1 Corinthians, and he came to those passages about how God gifts us spiritually for ministry, to love him, to love others, and went through that list and talked about God and his sovereignty could even gift us in different ways to serve him, to serve his church. And I, I believe that's true. I believe that sometimes I've, I've wondered if God has gifted people in ways that they have the gift of a critical spirit. <laughs> Maybe the gift of no filter, right? Just comes on out. Maybe the gift of lack of personal space. They like to have those really common, I don't know. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. We can be difficult to love sometimes. Sometimes it almost seems easier if we could just go and love the person in the foreign field rather than the person at the end of the pew. Jesus knew that they were coming into a hostile time, a, a difficult time where it would try them. It would be so difficult for them in the way that they would survive as if they depended on each other, if they loved one another. Believer. You and I need each other. We have a clear command in Scripture, a clear command from Christ, love one another. The writer of Hebrews would say, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love. Peter would say, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Undoubtedly, this new year will bring its fair share of blessing and burden. Make no mistake that we'll need each other. Christ has given us a clear command to love one another. Here's another phrase I want you to consider. Love just like Jesus. Love just like Jesus. 
A new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another. See, Christ's own steadfast, self-sacrificial and limitless love is the standard by which we are to gauge our love for one another. Love just like Jesus. As Jesus was the embodiment of God's love, so now each disciple should embody Christ's love Paul told the Ephesians to walk in this love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. See, we've been given this model to follow in Jesus. If you've been around First Baptist very long, you know from time to time there'll be kids graduate sort of out of our preschool ministry during this hour and they'll come and be a part of our services for the first time. They're called a new kid on the pew. Something I've observed over the years and you've seen too is when kids come in and they experience their first services, their first worship times, they hear the music, they see the piano and organ and percussion and they hear the choir, but they're all drawn to this curious man on stage who's waving his arms. (laughs) And before too long, most become mini maestros. You can see them in the balcony You can see them on the bottom floor. They join in and mirror the model they have before them. I had a cousin, have a cousin, who when he was young, he was a Baptist boy just like me, would step up to the plate and t-ball, step up in the batter's box, dust off his feet. But right before he stepped in there, he'd give it one of these. Just in case, his mom asked him, what are you doing, honey? He's like, mom, all the good players do it, so I'm going to do it too. (laughs) You know what it's like to, to model someone, to emulate someone. We've been given a model to mirror, a figure to follow. The disciples were often perplexed by what Jesus said, but this was practical, straightforward instruction. They certainly had a measure of understanding of what he was calling them to. They'd seen his healing hands drawn from the deep well of his wisdom, marveled at his miracles, but now he would so clearly love them. Truly, God would come down from high, would empty himself, would take on the form of a servant. He would kneel down. He would take a towel and a basin and he would wash the foul feet of his followers. These followers who couldn't even stay awake when an angry crowd would come for him. When his soul was crushed with grief at Gethsemane, he washed feet knowing they would walk away from him, flee when he was arrested. He looked at Peter's feet knowing one day he would look into his eyes as he denied him for the third time. He knelt at the feet of his betrayer and served him, knowing he would be sold out for some silver. He bent the knee to serve his disciples, knowing he was entitled and would experience every knee bowing before him. And yet he kneeled and served them, loved them. And he says to us, love even as I have loved you. 
For the disciples, the weight of his words would increase exponentially as time progressed. They would watch Jesus as people jeered and hurled abuse at him. They heard him in the midst of his mockers and murderers cry out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do when Christ put no conditions on the cross. Love even as I have loved you. Love would have new meaning, new power because of his death. His sacrificial love would be so clear on the cross and evident in his resurrected body as he showed them the scars of sacrifice. Love just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than the one that lays down his life for his friends. That's the Lord that loves you and me. That's the way that Jesus loved us. So we can't be covered in the lavish love of the Lord and keep it from other Christians. See, loving like Jesus looks like living the way that Jesus lived. Let's not forget during this season that the matching bookend of Jesus' earthly life, the matching bookend of Jesus at Christmas is Jesus at Calvary. And whether we're carrying a casserole or carrying our cross, being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus will cost us. Sacrifice is required to love just like Jesus. Are you willing to give of yourself? to serve at the feet of fellow followers, to forgive when you've been betrayed, to sacrifice for their needs, their benefit, to love even as I have loved you. It's what Christ demonstrated for us. It's what he's commanded us. The measure of our love for one another is set by Christ's love for us. See, see, love is a clear command. And we're to love just like Jesus. Final phrase I want you to consider this morning. Love defines us as disciples. Love defines us as disciples. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, the disciples of the one who laid down his life for those he loved. John would go on to say in 1 John that our love for our brothers and sisters show we possess authentic faith. 1 John 3, 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Our love for one another will be the distinguishing mark of authenticity that you and I truly follow Jesus. The early church leader Tertullian is quoted of saying there were pagans at the time that would observe Christians. They would watch their lives. They would look at the way that they lived, and when the report would come back, it would be, oh, look at how they love one another. 
Look at how they love one another. I wonder how many would look at us and say the same. I wonder when our lives are examined, our relationships amongst each other tested, our conversations combed through, would they come to a consistent conclusion? Oh, how they love one another. Believer, are you listening to the Lord's words this morning? The effectiveness of your testimony to a lost world is contingent on your love for God's people. The effectiveness of your testimony to a lost world is contingent on your love for God's people. Have you jotted down some resolutions for the new year? Some goals to get done? I I hope so. I, I truly believe that if we aim at nothing, we hit it every time. I'm curious. Where did God's people rank in there? Where did meeting and loving God's people fall into your plans for a new year? What ambitions do you have for God's people? We will be defined in 2019 by our love. The Lord made it so clear. Love will define us as disciples. In a wayward world where love is defined in a million ways, may our love define us as Christ's disciples. What a privilege to be painted in that light. After taking a seat at the table today, have you heard the words of our Savior? a clear command to love one another? Have you seen how to love just like Jesus? Do you understand the love that we have for each other will define us as disciples? As you've taken a seat this morning and listened to the Lord, is he speaking to you? Is he talking to you? Is he addressing your life? What he desires from you in this new year? What will it look like for you to love this year? Is it time to give forgiveness, time to pray that God will seize your heart, open your eyes to the needs around you? Will you be intentional? Will you plan to love God's people like you plan so much of the rest of your life. As the table is cleared from 2018, and we've transitioned into 2019, sure, I hope we all lose those pesky pounds. I hope you get the promotion. Hope you finally take that trip that all your ambitions are achieved. But as we push away from the table of another year, may we fully follow Christ into the next. And as we bring in a new year, may the words of our Savior ring 
in our ear. A new command I give to you. That you love one another even as I have loved you. Love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Heavenly Father, God, this morning it's it's sobering to consider our Savior in those final days. To consider what it would have been like to be at that table, to listen to the Lord. God, to hear those final important instructions. God, we know that you desire to use us in this world. You have a plan for us, a calling in our lives. God, help us to fully follow you, to love as you have loved. God, this morning there may be those who don't know you as Savior, who've never taken a seat at the table, who haven't been partakers of your love and the love that you poured out and the grace that you gave on the cross. Maybe this will be their day to be a new creation, to walk into 2019 as a new believer, having their sins forgiven, God being made new in you. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts this morning that you would open our eyes to our need and, God, to the needs around us. We ask and pray these things in the matchless name of King Jesus. Amen.